You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul explains that rest is assigned by God on the Sabbath and in the sabbatical and jubilee years, not for the sake of man, but for the benefit of the Adama, the animals who do most of the work, the foreigner, and the needy neighbor. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. With this, we move to chapter 23, where we have the justice, very important, towards the enemies. Let me just read a few verses. 4, 5, 6. If you meet your enemy's ox or his ass going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the ass of one who hates you lying under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it, you shall help him to lift it up. You shall not pervert the justice due to your poor in his suit. And it ends in verse 9 with, You shall not oppress a stranger. You know the heart of a stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Within a few verses, you have a repetition of this statement. And then we have this very important passage. It's glossed over quickly here, but it will come up in detail in the following book, Leviticus, which is the sabbatical year and the Sabbath. For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave... uh, the wild beasts may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with olive orchard. Now, the people of agriculture tell you it's good for the earth not to be word every day. That's not the Bible. The Bible is very clear why you should do it. Because the Adama is not yours to do as you wish with it. Then you have the Sabbath. So, You see here the importance of the Sabbath. You have the Sabbath and you have also the sabbatical year. And then later we shall encounter the Jubilee year where everyone, man and beast, are to be freed. And even, that's very interesting for me, the Adama will be freed from your oppressing it. Very important. It's interesting that uh, it's a year that reminds the human being, uh, Ha'adam, that he should not oppress the Adama, which is his mother and his wife, as I explained in the early chapters of Genesis. So, you shall rest in verse 12 and remember that your ox and your ass may have rest. This is fantastic. 
because most of the work you do through the animals. So they have to rest. And the son of your bondmaid and the alien may be refreshed. Beautiful. This verse 12 of chapter 23. Take heed to all that I have said to you and make no mention of the names of other gods, nor let such be heard out of your mouth. And then you have the three feasts, yearly feasts of Israel. We can go quickly over them. You know them, the feast of the unleavened bread, the feast of harvest, and the feast of ingathering. In all three cases, they have to do with the food you gather from the Adama, which is your mother. So there is no theology about it. Incarnation and crucifixion and resurrection and so on. This is vain talk. The law is business. You see how we deal with all our feasts so that we can get the positive out of them. Jesus died for our sins so that we may live. That's what we like about our feasts. That's why we love the crucifixion of Christ. I mean, for heaven's sakes, look around you. Watch the, the Christians. Their best services are the services of Holy Week. Now, whether they come at midnight at Easter, you know, it's possibly for the eggs and the candles, but they can ask someone who went to church to do that. But you don't have this here. Three times a year, Feast Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering. Okay, anything that feeds you out of the Adama. So you remember that the fact that you are living is a gift if not from God, definitely from the Adama, that because of you was cursed in Genesis chapter 3. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread and let the fat of my feast remain until the morning. The first of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And you shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. So watch out. You may not kill your neighbor and his or her son. And then the rest of the chapter is about Canaan, which is the land into which they are coming in. And God will send, as usual earlier, his angel. Angel understand it as messenger. That's the meaning of the word. Even the Greek angelos does not mean angel the way we understand it, but it means the one who was assigned a mission. He was sent for a mission. 22, give heed to him because my name is in him. This is taken up also in the New Testament. The messenger represents fully the sender and we experience this nowadays in the persons of the ambassadors. If you hearken to his voice, then I will deal with your adversaries, meaning that your adversaries become mine. 
And one more time, 24, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them. The mention of the nations in 23 Amorites, you know. And you shall destroy all their pillars, which are their altars. And that, by the way, prepares us to understand that the dealing with the altar in the following chapter and its service is a trap to Israel. It's not something that is positive the way we render it in our theology and then we spend all our parish council meetings to discuss how to raise money and how to build another apps in the church and how to do that. And I mean, lately, the seminary produced a book about money and salvation. I met the man who wrote that book. But the funny thing that it's addressed to the rich people, this book doesn't help the widow of the Gospel of Luke. So you're talking to rich people and there's powerful people and you make the whole business the way it was started. It's an empire. And then you sprinkle the God of the Bible over it. And it was started by Constantine, but we all love it. So let's not damn Constantine. We, the Bible is addressed to us, and we are responsible. Okay, let me go ahead. If you don't listen to me, I shall not destroy them. Notice in 29, that's a very interesting verb. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you are increased and possess. I hate that possess. You will inherit the land. You never possess it. And make sure not to make any covenant with them and deal with them. After all this, in chapter 24, we have the conclusion of the covenant at the beginning of the chapter from verses 1 through 11. And then the rest of the chapter tells us about Moses on the mountain by himself. And notice what is going on now. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tables of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. Interesting. You know, in the older civilizations, everything was written on the stones of the walls of the temples. That's why the priests controlled everything. But now, very interestingly, in the Bible, the stones are smaller stones that can be carried by a human being. That is already the dig against the temple. And I shall prove it to you because in the following chapters, God is making fun of you. He is asking you to adorn his tent as though it were a temple, mighty temple of stone. 
which is an impossibility because every day you have to dismantle it in order to carry it and move. And that's the big joke on us starting with the following chapter until the end of the book. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.